Hello and welcome to the Irish Entrepreneurial Experience. I'm your host, Clara McDonnell, and I work as an entertainer, content creator and social media consultant. This podcast is where we delve into the inspiring journeys of Ireland's most innovative business owners. Today we're kicking things off. It's the first episode and we have not one, but two extraordinary guests who happen to be brothers. You're going to meet Roan and Al Healy, who are the dynamic duo behind Beardfire Studios. So I've had the pleasure of working with them personally as they've produced some of my own music, which you can hear on Spotify. Okay, this is not about me. We're going to get back to them because their talent and dedication is truly inspiring. So sit back, relax and join us as we explore their entrepreneurial symphony. I know a bit of your entrepreneurial journey and your journey as a musician, but I'm wondering what was the pivotal moment in your career that made you think, I actually want to record other musicians' music and open up a recording studio? Okay, so I'll, I'll give you the kind of lightning version of, of our story and the key points. Um, so back in 2002, um, our father David, uh, who's a producer, musician, songwriter, um, started building a home studio in, in Australia. Uh, and this was in the early days of kind of hard drive recording and things like that. Yeah, the bad old days. The bad old days. Where so, everything took forever. Yeah, there were a lot of challenges. Um, but we made some great records there. And I, I got started. Al was still quite young. I'm Rowan. My brother Al is, is next to me. Al was, was still quite young. You were kind of five, six, seven, yep. eight at this time. Um, and I was 15, 16. And so dad would have me helping out um, with mic placement and, and engineering and doing little jobs as part of this home studio that was built. Um, many, many years passed, uh, myself and Al had careers, uh, performing live music, primarily with the Dublin City Rounders, the two of us, we made a living off that, uh, for a long time. Um, and if, like you said, they're recording our own music, recording the music of our father and things like that. And just, and my own, my own music solo stuff, um, learning the craft. Uh, and then of course it, it, it happened very naturally, but there are a couple of key points here. So very naturally as we, you know, met lots of musicians from gigging and things like that. Um, the conversation came up with regard to, oh, will you, will you record some of my stuff? And and so we, we started recording um, friends, really, you know, friends yeah. initially on a very casual, um, uh, colloquial kind of basis. Um, from there, it's, we, we saw from the live music side, which was, we were kind of doing two, 250, 200, 250 gigs a year. It was quite intense. Um, and eventually quite draining uh, the, the live music side when you're doing it that much. And so at that point, we kind of looked at other avenues, other revenue streams that you can make from music. So we, we taught a little bit. I teach some guitar, you know, I taught a lot of guitar and I'll taught some drums and bass. Um, and we started to slowly develop and, and, and use our any money we'd make from doing recordings and stuff like that to buy more equipment and try and... Yeah, we basically just slowly transitioned from doing, you know, a whole bunch of gigs and a little bit of recording into doing a lot more recording, which thankfully coincided really well with COVID because yeah. when that hit, obviously the whole live aspect disappeared and went away. Yeah. But uh, sound recording was an essential service, yeah. which meant that we could still stay open and keep working. Yeah, and so a lot of the time, you know, we were dealing with like one or two people at a time, so... As long as everyone was feeling good, we'd write them up a letter and they'd come and record. And to be honest, like during that point in time, there were a lot of people who weren't going on holidays or spending money on a lot of other stuff who'd always wanted to record an album or an EP. Or a lot of creative projects really came out of that time as well. 
Yeah. And we did some remote things and that kind of stuff. So Yeah, I was actually gonna ask you about that because I did notice that you were actually quite innovative when it came mm. to that. Yeah. There were some musicians that took a break, just wrote a lot or did nothing. Yeah, yeah. And you really took advantage of that. Yeah, I mean look, you know, given the, the sensitivity around what was happening at the time in the world, like took advantage is kind of <laughs> not, not exactly the term we would use, you know, but uh, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, we kind of sat down, you know, myself and Al and, and our dad, Dave, and we re just really looked at it and we were like, you know, dad was great in this as well because he's, he's just, he's been around a long time and he's got a great kind of geopolitical way of looking at things. And he's just basically said, guys, look, this could last two years, you know, and this was like in the first couple yeah. of weeks. Well, they're like, yeah. oh, it'll be a few weeks, a few know? weeks, you know, and we were yeah. like, oh really? And he's like, look, let's just set things up. Let's discuss things in a way that if this lasted two yeah, years, we'd be fine. would we be fine? What are the, what are the guidelines? What can we do in a safe um, way to, to continue to produce music? And, and like Al saying there, like so many people, and like you said there as well, people, a lot of people did right. Mm. Uh, yeah. And the first six months of COVID, pe you know, people are producing a huge amount of work and, and then they were coming to us and saying, you know, are you, are you, are we able to do recordings? And we did a lot of it remotely. Yeah. And then we did a lot of it, um, uh, in person where we could and where we felt it was, you know, responsible to do so. Um, and so from that point, COVID ended, all that kind of stuff, things opened up and we did a bit of gigging, mm. but that opening up after COVID also happened to coincide with, um, an opportunity that was presented to us to take over, uh, you know, to purchase, a a business here in um, in Harold's Cross, uh, a building for the first time. Because yeah. up until this point, everything had been home studio. Oh, yeah. That All the recordings we were doing were, were in the living room. We'd move everything around and we'd make records. And we made records, some of them that got, you know, millions of streams and some of them that got, you know, good airplay on on, on radio um, in Ireland, the UK and across the world. Yeah, it's funny. People would hear the stuff we did and they'd come to work with us and then they'd walk into the what was again our living room they go okay guys where's the studio yeah we're ready to get started we're ready like, to start where's the studio we're like, you're, you're in the in studio yeah. <laughs> well i think Billie eilish and yeah. her brother phineas have a lot to, have a lot to answer for because they really put home recording studios out there so correct. i don't know yeah. correct oh, yeah. and look there's hit records being made um you know every every single week that are made in a hotel room in a bedroom on a flight you but know also you know that's kind of really why we had to make records that sounded good because we didn't have the name or the gear or all the kind of fancy stuff to attract people. What we had was the sound the and that track was record. all we had. Yeah. So we had to make records that sounded as good or better than the big studios. Yeah. So I'm going to bring it back yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. Because the listeners are probably wondering, have you gone the, down the conventional route when it comes to education? Oh, okay. So I think you know the answer to this already, but absolutely no. not. So let me give a, a real brief explanation. Al here has never been to school in his life. No. Completely homeschooled. Yeah, yeah. like even, even unschooled, that, man. He just like played music and went on his swing and ran around the garden like, and taught himself to read and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And anyway, so Al's never gone to school. I, I went to primary school in, in Dublin in St. Peter's for a little while. Um, at which point, at a certain point, I, I got, uh, I got bullied by a teacher and, uh, the parents took me out, you know, and mum made the guy cry and all that, whatever, you know? Um, so I was treated badly in school. And so I was kind of homeschooled for a few years. Then I did a few years of high school in Trinity. I did four years of high school in Trinity in Australia, Trinity Catholic college. 
Um, and then at the age of 16, I left and, and have just done music since then. And our, our education has been very, um, informal, very hands-on, um, family and, and musicians and friends, uh, and then our own kind of, you know, desire and resource. I think this coincided with a time as well when things like, you know, 2006 YouTube yeah. appeared, um, and man, like video editing, we learned video editing, photo yeah. editing. We learned a lot of, lots of stuff off YouTube and, um, you know, and trial and error, um, and really just saying yes to things that we weren't ready for and then yeah. figuring out how to do them. Um, you know, if, I remember one time we were, I, I won't even say who, but one time, uh, someone asked us to, uh, asked Al if he did drum lessons, you know, and this was at a time when we didn't have a drum kit. We didn't have, yeah. any, Alex never done a drum lesson in his life. They asked me cause I was already teaching music to, to, to another person. And we said, yes. And, uh, of course, of course Al teaches drums, you know? And then, uh, and they said, great, look, we'll be around on Sunday for the first lesson, you know? And, uh, we were like, oh yeah you've yeah. uh you've got a drum lesson yeah. in two days and we don't have a drum kit you know so those kind of things and even with the gigging you know oh yeah absolutely. we just we bluffed our way into so many crazy places you know we played for the president we played for the u.s ambassador and we played for pirates an ancient order of pirates and uh we got on the voice uk we got on everything just from like just not saying no to anything really yeah and, you know saying no to something but but it's more like not um having any kind of limiting beliefs beliefs yeah you know? it's like yeah, why not, you know but also in, in terms of the the kind of sound engineering education really that a lot of it came from our dad yeah who, again he did yeah. he was never formally trained but he learned from a guy called lobby lloyd yeah. in australia who produced a lot of records and he learned yeah. from paul McCartney. paul mccartney so there's kind of a lineage so there. <coughs> so yeah it's it's that kind of and you learn, you learn yeah. from the people you work with and you learn, you know, from YouTube, from the yeah. internet, you know, there are great resources out there now. Yeah. Um, so do you think a musician now, mm. they have to be a person that has many hats? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally, yeah. totally. So, um, um, yeah, I think musicians have to wear many hats, um, for, for numerous reasons, uh, which I'll get into. But the, the first thing I just want to briefly touch on with regard to this is, Musicians have to make the decision of whether they're going to aim to make all of their money out of music um, or if they're going to have a, a primary revenue stream that is not musical um, and then use, you know, use their other time to make music. And it's not always a choice. I make it sound like a choice, but I, th I think fundamentally it can be because when you're a musician, you do have a number of skills that are... Um, practical in terms of generating revenue you know you if you play an instrument to to a, a decent mm. degree you can teach that instrument and i mean even colloquially you could yeah. you could fairly easily build up you know a client base yeah. of there's always someone who's worse yeah than you it's always someone worse than you, than you can, right yeah i started teaching music when i was 18 you know what mm. i mean to a 15 year old and that was you know it wasn't even that much better than him you know so yeah. So you can generate money not just from that. You can also generate money from busking. You can generate money from going around and doing, you know, covers gigs. You can join wedding bands. I'm talking about everything. I'm just throwing it all in there. And a lot of people might go, oh, I don't want to do that. And that's okay too. You might be like, okay, well, then you're going to need another revenue stream. And then you're going to need to make sure that revenue stream doesn't take so much energy that you can't then put it into your, your, mm -hmm. your, your creative aspect. Um, and so from that perspective, the many hats already is unavoidable in yeah. that 
you're going to have to divide yourself and your time and your energy very carefully to try and develop your career at the same time as keeping yourself sustained. Um, unless you, you're really lucky and you've got some benefactor and you can, you know, whatever. Um, but even within that, I think what you're probably more alluding to as well is that, you know, you've got social media, you've got publishing, you've got um, digital distribution, yeah. you've got artwork, you've got music, you've got video content, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, this is where uh, I see a lot of people who, who do really well, um, especially in the social media field, is they, they make content that's really appealing to uh, a really broad audience and that's not specifically their music. Yeah. You know, I think, um, I wish I could think of some of the names of them. There's a guy, Tennis Champion, who makes like memes, music memes, but he's also a musician. Do you know what I mean? And so I would have come across him via his, his meme-age. Um, and then it's like, oh, he actually does songs and things is like that Is meme-age a word? Correct. It definitely <laughs> is, yeah. Um, so there's so many ways to approach it. And I think indirect ways are really important, yeah. you know, and that's where, again, the hats. Or, you know, maybe you get into becoming a gig promoter or, or if you have an ability to yeah, do graphic design or video. You, any work that you're doing in the realm of music or or even film or art, any kind of like yeah. artistic thing is going to bring you in contact yeah. with people who can help you when it comes to your music in some way or another. Yeah. And sometimes it takes years for those. So I'm wondering, do yeah. you like people to think of you still as musicians and this is just something else that you do? Do you mean the production is something Yeah. Else? This is a really interesting point, right? No, no I'm going to tell you why. Because yeah. I know some actors yes. that mm -hmm. have worked for agents or worked for casting directors. Yeah. Yes. And then they'd say, oh, now I will not be thought of as being an actor. I'm just somebody who's behind the scenes. Yeah. I'm more of a production person or behind the scenes. Yeah, it's okay. Mm -hmm. So I, I actually love this point because it's, it's yeah. really, really interesting to me. So first of all, me personally, I actually am not too interested in what I'm thought of as just as a, as a human, I don't really mind. I love music production. Yeah. I love playing music. I, I love managing this building. Um, I love giving people advice, things like that. So however people interact with me, um, if they think of me as any of those things, I really don't have a problem. You know, I, I'm, I'm very positive about that. But one thing that is funny that I've noticed having played music for so long and stuff like that, um, Sometimes, you know, someone will be in for a rehearsal or something, you know, mm -hmm. and I'll just be talking to them, whatever, and they'll say, oh, do you, do you, do you play music as well, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I never, I, I think, yeah, I guess, look, they just don't know. They yeah. just don't know. And uh, and I'm like, and I'm not like, I'm not a, not, I'm trying to think of a word that's not rude. Like, I'm not rude about it. Where yeah. I'm like, huh, I'll have you know that. Do you know who I am? Seven million people saw me on the television. And blah, blah, like, obviously, <laughs> you sound like a... Yeah, yeah, you know, which is just one of the weird things we yeah. did. But, like, um, I go, yeah, yeah. I, I actually like to just, like, play it down. I'm like, yeah, yeah. play me to be I mean, that's all you can... And, like, we're not, we're not you too, you know no. what I mean? But we have, we just, it is funny for us having done, like, fucking, pardon my French, thousands of gigs, you know. <laughs> um, and it's like, yeah, you know. And then sometimes other people will be like, oh... Do you, do you do production? It's like, you've known me for like, <laughs> not, you've been rehearsing here for months. I'm always in here mixing, you know? But yeah, um, I think it's, at least personally, I think, I don't think there's a, they're mutually exclusive. Like, you know, personally, I'm really excited about the production work that we're doing currently. And I think that has the potential to reach a lot of people. And so, 
basically, I don't know, being known as producers who took over the world, it's kind of... <laughs> kind of you get slightly the, ahead of yourself, yeah, but, you know. It might happen. Well, all I'm saying is, like, it, you know, I think we have a really strong... You know, it's not just a job for us. It is something that we're passionate is about. Is it a vocation, I'm wondering? It is a vocation. Is it a, vo- a vocation? So have you Absolutely. ever had another day job, ever? Or this is all you've ever known? I made... I'm, I worked at Domino's Pizza from the age of 14 and a half to 16. And Al's never had a job. Yeah. But so, that, again, so it is, it's a mission, it, you know? Yeah, and, and yeah. that's why we put into it what we do and why we get the results that we do. Because there's a lot of people, I think, who see production as a job and they they might have the technical skills and the kind of scientific approach to it, but mm-hmm. they lack the, the artistry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the funny thing with music is you can just tell that immediately. Yeah. You can listen to a record and think... It's fine, but why, you know, what's there? Like, what is going to make this any different to any other record? Yeah. And so what we try to do is make every record unique and, and different. We try, we try, look, the thing is, our our approach to, to anything, you know, has always been... So first of all, like, our, our, our lives are very odd. Like, I mean, we're here kind of 12 yeah. hours a day, every day. You know, we took three days off over Christmas and that week's because there's no one doing anything. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of like a, it's not, re- yeah, it's not really a job. It's just life. It's, this is our yeah. life day in, day out. And, um, and we like it. And we, we, we're so lucky that we get to just every day meet and deal with really cool, interesting, eccentric, creative people all the time. I don't know the last time I met like a, you know, a normal person. Yeah. It's a little bit like, you know, Andy Warhol's, um, factory or whatever, you know, um, just a, just a creative scene of, of people, you know, a few hundred people come through here, um, every week, um, to record, to rehearse, um, you know, to do, uh, the other project we do, my band, which is like a a course we run for, for band building and things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, and so, yeah, it's really a, it's really a, just a, a lifestyle and, and the, like the, again, in inverted commas, the success of it, all we, like, if we've got enough food to eat, we got clothes, we get to make music. Um, that's really, really cool. And it's, it's, it's done well. Like we're not, we're not millionaires, we're not Bill Gates, you know what I mean? Yet. Yet, but we will be, but, um, watch out Bill Gates, watch out Bill Gates <laughs> coming for you. Uh, no, but you know, and as long as, you know, the people that we're dealing with enjoy it. And of course, like, man, in any realm of life, there's, there's problems and conflicts and all that okay, stuff happens. talking about problems, yeah, yeah, okay? Yeah. Yes. Because apart from this being a recording studio. Yes. There's rehearsal rooms here. Correct. Mm-hmm. Have you had any problems or challenges with the building or the setting up of the studio as it is now? Um, nothing, nothing crazy. Although someone did light our a little like diffuser on fire one time in in the bathroom, yeah, kind of blew up, yeah, yeah, they exploded a diffuser. No, so I, I tell you one thing that I think. Okay, so first of all, it was a huge amount of work. We didn't like close it down for a month and do renovations or anything. We were working, recording from day one. We had bands rehearsing from day one, yeah. and we were renovating everything at the same time. Doing a lot, a lot of it ourselves. You know, sometimes some friends and you know. Um, painters and carpenters and stuff that we've known a lot through music, to be honest, uh, helped us with that as well. 
but yeah, it was a challenge. He ended up and running. So there were there were like you know literally thousands of little problems to yeah. solve all the time, especially in setting it up and just getting used to the lifestyle and and all that kind of stuff. Again, you know, we were recording from home. Uh, this this idea every day now we get up we get on our skateboards mm-hmm. yes and we go up to the studio and we come home uh, and home really is like a bed yeah. you know because most of our time is spent here. Uh, in terms of the like real like real problems, I, I suppose the other thing as well is there was a big learning curve with regard to well you know we we started a, a limited company and uh, you know the legitimacy of, of all yeah. that kind of stuff yeah. and banking and yeah. insurance and there was a lot to learn and it took it took time and it was quite intimidating at the beginning. And what did you find quite intimidating? I think I think just being in a like in any situation in a realm that you're that is largely new to you yeah. yes. it's just a, a lack of knowledge really yeah. and then yeah. once you learn that once stuff you learn you're it like oh good. it's actually it's not too fine. it's not too tricky and and again i think the i think we we've come from a good place with regard to always you know kind of overcoming challenges of oh i don't know that well who does I well again know. i think yes. that was one of the benefits of not going through kind of a formal education system because we'd always had this idea of well if we want to know something we can learn it we don't need an official kind of course or an institution to tell us we can do it so we're just like okay we'll learn this like we learned music production or video editing or anything like that and again of course look you know that's not to say that um you know to 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 poop on formal education in any way we really don't care you can also learn stuff well i think people who are are motivated will still thrive yeah of course in a formal situation as well i think i think one of the key things here especially with rehearsals and stuff <laughs> has been our our presence here yeah. as in like there's a lot of rehearsal spaces that um you just get a code and you punch in and all that kind of stuff and people are trying to make things work themselves and asking different rooms for a symbol here and whatever and all that kind of stuff and that's fine and it it's you know maybe it's um it works fine for some situations but because we're here with the with the recording and the editing and our administrative work there's a sense i think of kind of like responsibility i think it fosters a kind of like every band like we no one's stolen anything no no one's wrecked anything yeah other than the normal yeah Yeah, no no one's had had fights no one's given us any trouble no one's ripped us off or not paid and things like that and i think Mm. um i think a lot of that comes from the fact that there's always a presence here and not not in like an intimidating (laughs) way it's like no go to the the door it'll be there you know, if your PA is not working, one of us will pop out and help you out. And, you know, if they're having a smoke out the front, we'll say, hi, we know, we know all the bands. Yeah. You know, we had something like 800 bookings in the first year, 800 rehearsals or something in the first year. People are very respectful of this space. Yeah. And um, I don't think anyone who is um, not respectful and cool would, would handle this situation. Yeah. I think they'd, I think we'd deflect them just by the aura of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. so pretty you know touch wood pretty problem free in terms of anything major yeah. but like literally thousands of micro challenges that oh, yeah. <laughs> every day have, uh, have come up if you were to go back to the start of setting up this studio would yeah. you do anything differently um i mean for sure probably. i mean what gosh what what would you say uh, again that's, that's probably a like question. a thousand tiny things that that we could think of Get the bins sooner. That, yeah, that, that's a good one. <laughs> that was terrible. Yeah. Uh, get the bins sooner. Um, get the water. Yeah. So yeah, there's the a bunch of things sooner. that like only occurred to us later on as we got, and you know, we were 
doing things really inefficiently in certain mm. ways. I'm sure if we sat down, I, I guess the overall point would be, it, and it's very hard to, it's very easy to say in hindsight, but if you if you get the chance to really, and we were, we were doing this, but sit down with whoever you're working with and just really try and look at everything all the time yeah. with regard to efficiency. Mm. What Definitely. can you get sooner, even if it costs money, that will save you money very quickly, mm. whether it's a piece of gear, whether it's a, um, a service or something like that. Yeah. Don't, don't be afraid to spend money to, to make money if you have it, you know? Yeah. But again, I mean, it's easy to say that now, but it's yeah. when you're in the middle of that and you're kind of, you are doing your best to make things efficient and clean and safe and all that kind of stuff. And also we did some, you sorry, know, you can get to a point where you're like, Oh, why haven't we done that? That's obvious. But to get to that yeah. conclusion, you've had to do a million other things. My final question. Yep. What are the plans for the future? So the plans for the future really um, are to, to continue. I mean, it's basically this. Do, okay. do this. But, but, but what, I would, what I would say is, um, so we run this course, My Band. Uh, yeah. I'll just give a really brief description. It's a, it's a course that we've developed where uh, primarily kind of like amateur musicians, people who've been out of the loop for a long time or people who have families and want, to, want a, a way to, um, to meet other musicians to, to form bands and play live. Um, so they come in, uh, everyone signs up, and we put them into bands based obviously on the instrument they're playing and the kind of music that they, they generally like mm -hmm. to play. Um, and then every four months, they come in for a weekly rehearsal, two hours every week, which is mentored by, uh, it's been myself and Al, but we're also hiring additional mentors now as well to take the pressure off ourselves because uh, there's only so many hours in the day. Um, and we've got more and more bands now. So yeah. um, they come in, they get mentored, they learn five songs over, over a four-month period, and they really hone them and develop them. And then uh, we put on a show. Uh, our shows have been put on at the at Workman's Cellar last uh, two. Um, and, yeah, and then they do kind of, you know, you do studio recordings, all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, photo shoots. Every band will come up with a name and have their own kind of identity by yeah. the end of the course. yeah. And so basically, but again, that with that, um, the idea is to grow that business as well. Get yeah. more mentors on board. Um, yeah, we want to see that grow a lot. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, as we, that was a lot of work for us, kind of setting that up. But as we get more people on board, then we can focus even more on the production, more music production. And, and yeah, take we're making that to another level as well. We're making some good. Uh, you know, like you know, we've had a, a bunch of songs now that are getting good, good plays on BBC Radio One and all that kind of stuff. So there, there is this kind of steady. Um, progression there that's that's quite visible and, and traceable um, but yeah basically and just the amount of the uh, sorry just some of some of the artists um, we get lucky with with some of the artists and you know they break yeah. through in a big way and and then that would enable us to um, you know just to, to work on bigger and bigger projects mm -hmm. and that's really it you know but also you know what we've really seen grown in, in the last while is just the amount of people who know about the studio, the, the amount of people that are coming in to work with us. And, yeah. you know, we're doing like 20 to 30 songs a month. Yeah, which is insane. Point. And we have an extreme Which efficient. is kind of So you'll have crazy. to give up sleeping. And again, yeah, and that's, yeah. that's not through any kind of formal advertising on the studio side. It's just because, yeah. you know, every track that we record is an, is an advertisement. But we, yeah, we saw a huge spike there in August, which has mm. just continued where it seemed like there was a, a bit of a critical mass kind of point where, um, you know, a year or more's worth of stuff that we were doing here had now come out, come yeah. out and, 
and as well as that kind of like the, the, the regular clients we were working with, we just got inundated with a, with a lot of new clients, mm. um, which was great. And that's where, again, where the efficiency comes in, you know, buying the right equipment, having the right um, knowledge yeah. and organizing your life in such a way that you can take on so that you don't have to turn away opportunities. Mm. Yeah. And just don't do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should end on a little bit of self-care. So what do you do for self-care? Because surely, yeah, you have to rest. Okay, There has so, to be a little bit of rest and no, sleep. Is, I was joking is, earlier, is. but seriously. No, but, and this is this is us, um, I mean, what you got to remember with us, because people say burnout and things like that. Okay. We've basically been at it like 10 years, I would say, at, mm -hmm. a, at a similar kind of, now in the last two years, it's ramped up to an even yeah. more extreme degree. Um, so there's a few things I would say. Um, one is we, we do a, uh, we do like a, like a no carb diet, but we're kind of mad, right? So we have like one or two big meals a day and we don't have any sugar or carbs or anything. Yeah. And that just keeps us going. Okay. That's one thing. Maybe, you know, I'm not telling anyone what to do with their life, but maybe have a look at diet and just see what yeah, works because for you. A lot of that, you'd be surprised how much what you eat affects energy levels and, and, and what sleep you can do and everything, right? You know, a lot of people, they'll be tired all throughout the day and then not tired at all at night. And so you're not getting that kind of recovery that allows you to do what you need to do. So, yeah. so again, without anything specific, look into diet, really research mm -hmm. it and see what you can do to um make your rest more efficient make your work more efficient um number two yeah we do sleep we get like seven we get seven to eight hours of sleep a night yeah. i would say we get up about seven forty-five. we go to bed about 12 whatever yeah. roughly um the so food and sleep like that's the most obvious thing be careful with your extra curricular curricular activities friends, family, stuff like this is the hard yeah. stuff to mm. hear. Okay. Because basically what we do is, is pretty mad. We're very lucky in that our work is so social. Mm. It's so engaging. We meet and talk to so many people yeah. that it is our life. Yeah. yeah. When we're not working, yeah. we just are alone. <laughs> alone. You might get a little alone time. With, and with we like no, to smoke yeah. a pipe, drink a little whiskey. Nothing musical. Just for a brief just read, time. read something. Nothing musical. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, we know, yes. I, I mean, mean, I don't know. We might listen to kind of hardcore punk, and but like yeah. video games. But so, so we do, we do get rest time. Have a hobby, you know. I like, I like watching football games whenever I can. You know, sometimes I'll tape it and watch it late at night, or whatever. Um, Al paints little men. Yeah, I owned the Warhammer like a couple years ago. Sorry. <laughs> My mind went to strange little, places. Little there. plastic men. Little plastic men. Little alive. plastic men. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought you were body painting small men. No, <laughs> no. That, I mean, although, if you want to do that, that's also yeah, that could be a great <laughs> hobby. You know, so yeah. so it's okay to have an outlet. It's it's really good to do that. Also, uh, you know, we do we we try to wherever possible we try to do like a, a half day here where we'll work from home. Yeah, and you know, it might still be doing administrative mm -hmm. work and stuff, but at least we'll be away from the studio. So definitely, I mean, self-care is, is actually, it probably sounds like we're total masochists, but self-care is, is, is actually right at the top of yeah. our thing. And then on the, the, the socio-psycho kind of realm, you know, just be really careful with people who display um, any kind of red flags with regard to sociopathy or psychopathy or, 
narcissism mm-hmm. or, or gaslighting and stuff, you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, be careful how in, if you have clients, you know, that are just starting to display or it just doesn't give you a good feeling, you know, yeah. maybe think, oh, I might, I might keep an eye on that. Um, you know, if people are starting to make you feel bad about what you're doing or if people are starting to dent your confidence in what you're doing, things like that. Um, because there's really no need for that. I think there's yeah. the people who, who are, are cool, um, can tell you they need something in a really cool way. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be like, you know, rainbows all the time, but you just got to watch out for the people who are, who are thunderclouds all the time and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. try and try and solve problems while they're small and try and get rid of people who are, are damaging you, you yeah. know, which just sounds really easy. It's not always easy, of course. Yeah. But, you know, at least if you're kind of conscious of it. Thank you very much. Thank you very and much. And thank you for being the first guest. <laughs> Yay! Yay! If you'd like to find out more about Beardfar Studios and the different services they offer, do check out beardfar.com. Thank you for listening and make sure to join me again. I have lots of interesting guests coming up in the next few months chatting about their own entrepreneurial experience. Thank you.